Let me ask you a question. Why does your church exist? Right, if you had to answer that, what would you say to someone? A few years ago, I would have said something like, well, our church exists to bless our community or to connect people to life with Jesus. Uh, and those things were true. I totally would have meant those things and, and did mean them. Uh, but if I had to give an even more honest answer, I would have said that our church exists in order to grow our church, right? In a sense that it exists for its own sake, um, right? To attract attract new members and increase our weekly attendance. Um, I know this sounds a lot like uh, my intro to episode one, but I still want to set up what we're going to be talking about today in terms of the mission of God. See, everything that we did ultimately came down to how a particular ministry or program uh, would help our church grow, right? And if it didn't help our church grow, if we couldn't see any of those kinds of uh, benefits, then we generally considered it a bad use of our time or resources. We gave a lot of thought to what we wanted to accomplish, but we didn't give nearly as much thought to what God wants to accomplish. I'm Marcus Watson, and you're listening to Episode 2 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Okay, so what is the mission of God? Or another way of asking that question might be, what exactly is it that God wants to accomplish? What is it that God is pursuing? What's God trying to do? What does God want to have done? <laughs> what, is, what does God want to do? Um, good place to start this conversation and kind of discover what it is that God wants to accomplish is by looking at Genesis chapter 1, right, the creation story. When you look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, many of you know the story, right? There's six days of creation, one day of rest. And at the end of each day of creation, there is a phrase, uh, almost each day of creation, there's a phrase that gets repeated several times throughout the creation story. And you probably know what it is, right? It says that God looked at all that he had made and it was good. Right? And at the end of the sixth day of creation, it says that God looked at all that he had made, now including human beings, and it was very good. Right, This was a world that God described and that God thought of as being very good. Man, that's awesome. That's beautiful. God was pleased with what he had done. God looked at what he had made and he loved it. He thought, this is great. I love this. I am so happy with what this world is. Uh, now, there's a word that doesn't actually get used in the creation story, but it is used throughout the Old Testament uh, that I think captures this goodness of the creation story. And it's the word shalom. Now, a lot of you probably know that shalom means peace. That's a kind of a basic, simple translation of the word shalom, and it does mean peace. But it doesn't just mean uh, the absence of hostility, right? It doesn't just mean that uh, people or countries or groups or organizations are not fighting with each other. 
Shalom is a much bigger word. Shalom has to do with wholeness and completeness. Uh, I came across a definition several years ago, uh, and I would give credit if I could, but I don't remember where it came from. And so if any of you want to let me know, I'll happily give credit in the uh, show notes at some point. But uh, uh, basically, this the definition of, of shalom can be captured by saying that it is a, a comprehensive sense of well-being that touches every aspect of life. A comprehensive sense of well-being that touches every aspect of life, right? And so in the world that God had created, there was shalom. There was a comprehensive well-being, right? There was no sickness. There was no decay. There was no hunger. There was joy. There was delight. There was beauty, Everything, all people had all that they needed. Uh, they, there was no lacking of any kind. It was, it was complete. It was whole. It was a world of shalom. Right? That's the world that God created. And then God does something interesting. God gives human beings something called dominion. Right? In Genesis 1 28, it says that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, some translations, like the King James, for instance, where the NIV here says rule, uh, other translations say have dominion over the fish in the sea. Right? God gives us dominion over the creation. Now, this word dominion can be a little tricky because it can sound very negative uh, in some ways, right? God has given us dominion, and what does that mean? Here's, here's where we make a mistake. Dominion can sound a lot like another word that is very negative. It can sound a lot like the word domination, right? Dominion is not the same thing as domination. God does not give us domination over the creation. He gives us dominion. See, domination is when you take control over something, where you exert power over something, when you exploit, when you abuse, right? That's domination. When you enslave, when you take what isn't yours, that's domination. Dominion is something very different. Here's, here's what I think of when I think about dominion. I think about my cat. <laughs> we have a one-eared cat named Molly, and I have dominion over Molly. Right? Does that mean that I kick Molly? Does that mean that I uh, throw Molly across the room? Does that mean that I refuse to feed Molly? No, right? Having dominion over Molly means that I do feed her, that I give her water, right? that I let her sit on my lap, right? That I pet Molly, right? I know you're not all cat lovers, but dogs just seem like a lot of work to me. So cats are fine, <laughs> uh, right? But that's dominion. It's what God has over us. God has dominion over us, but God doesn't dominate over us, right? It's a good word. It's a word that means that we get to participate with God in bringing shalom into the world. That's what dominion is. 
Now we can look at Jesus, right? Jesus came and he, what did he do? He lived a life of shalom, right? Shalom, again, is this comprehensive sense of well-being that touches every aspect of life. And when you look at the life of Jesus, what you see is a life of shalom. What did Jesus do? Constantly throughout his life, he brought the restoration of shalom into people's lives. When a blind person received their sight, they received shalom. Shalom was restored to them. Uh, when a hungry person was fed or or a hungry crowd of 5,000 was fed, that was the restoration of shalom. It was a comprehensive well-being that Jesus was bringing into that crowd. Right When Jesus spoke truth to the authorities, right, that was... That was shalom. He was living out shalom. He was making sure that they knew. He was taking action to restore things into the way that God intended them to be. Right? And so if we want to know what does shalom look like, we can look at Jesus and look at the kinds of things that mattered to him. Right? Jesus' death was a death of shalom. Now here's the thing. Let me talk about real quick uh, the way that Shalom was broken, right? If we look at Genesis chapter 3, if we go back to that, right, Shalom was broken in several different ways. Um, Shalom between human beings was broken. They were ashamed in front of each other, right? There was a broken relationship there. Shalom between human beings and the creation uh, was broken. That's what the curses are all about, um, Right there's there's now the, the 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 earth is not going to cooperate. Childbirth is going to be difficult. Right, that's a very natural thing, but there's a brokenness in that now. Um, right, shalom between human beings and nature is broken. Shalom within ourselves is broken. Right, there's sort of an inner peace that gets broken. Uh, again, coming back to the idea of shame when we when we're ashamed of our sin, when we're ashamed of our imperfection. There's a brokenness inside of us. And then shalom between us and God was broken, right? Jesus came to restore shalom in all of those ways. And his death on the cross was the act of restoring shalom between us and God, It is because of Jesus' death that shalom can be restored between us and God. It was a death of shalom where he conquered the power of sin and death, and again, not through domination, Right, but through surrender and sacrifice. Now, death itself is broken shalom, and so the resurrection was an act of restored shalom. Uh, at the end of the Bible, the whole Bible, in Revelation chapter 21, almost the very end of the whole Bible, Right, we have a picture of the world as it will be at the restoration, the consummation of all things, the world as God intended it to be. Let me read that to you. This is Revelation twenty-one verses one through five. This is the apostle Paul, uh, the apostle John. He says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Right, not the broken world, but a new one, a new heaven and a new earth." For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The the earth and the heaven that was marked by broken shalom was no longer longer there. The sea represents chaos. 
right? And so there was no longer any of this brokenness or chaos. Now, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Right? There's restoration of shalom between God and the people. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order, right? the old order of broken shalom, the old order of things has passed away. Then verse 5, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, and I love this, <laughs> write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Right, these words are trustworthy and true. This is what God is working towards. God is working towards a world of shalom. This is God's plan for the world. This is what God longs for for the world. And so what is God's mission? God's mission is the healing and restoration of the world, the whole world, all of humanity, all of creation, a new heavens and a new earth. This is the mission of God. And that includes our eternal salvation. Right? It's not all about our eternal salvation. That's a, that's a really important part of it. Don't get me wrong. But it's the restoration of all things, the healing of the whole world, the restoration of shalom to all creation. That's God's mission in the world. And we see God working toward that throughout the scriptures, Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22. Right? And God has taken action throughout uh, history right? through his people Israel to restore shalom to the world, through his son Jesus to restore shalom to the world. And now God continues to work through the body of Christ, the church, the people of God to restore shalom to the world. And so we are invited to participate with God in God's mission. Uh, there's a great quote from Rowan Williams, who uh, was at one time the Archbishop of Canterbury. And you may have heard this before. He said, it is not the church of God that has a mission, but the God of mission who has a church. Right. Uh, so often we get bogged down with what's our church's mission? What's our church's mission? And, and look, there's there's certainly an appropriate place for that in the sense that we are all in unique places and unique contexts, and and there are unique ways for us to specifically live out God's mission in our context. But the mission of the church is the same thing as the mission of God, right? That's really the only mission there is. It is not the church of God that has a mission. We don't have a mission. It is the God of mission, the God who wants to restore shalom to the world, who has a church. And the church's purpose then is to join God in restoring shalom to the world. Right? And so one of the most important questions that I think churches need to be asking themselves is this, whose mission are we on? 
Are we on our own mission of self-preservation or self-propagation? Or are we on God's mission of bringing healing and wholeness, beauty and goodness and shalom into the world? Whose mission are we on? So there you go. What is the mission of God? God's mission is to restore shalom to the world, and you and I and the whole church have been called to participate with God in bringing shalom to the world. Well, thank you again for joining me today on uh, Spiritual Life and Leadership. Let me give you a couple ways again to get in touch with me if you'd like to. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Marcus Watson. And uh, that's Marcus with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S-W-A-T-S-O-N. And then you can also check out my website, www.marcuswatson.com. Not sure yet what next week's going to be about. I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. I suppose I ought to come up with a big plan, but I've uh, reached out to a couple of folks uh, about doing some uh, interviews and and learning from some other folks about how they have lived out their own leadership and uh, and how the the their spiritual life their spiritual connection and and formation uh, has been a part of their leadership so we'll do that in the next few weeks um but uh, thank you again uh, just for being with me today i hope that these have been encouraging words for you i hope that i don't know it's given you something to think about maybe it's just a refresher on something that you've been thinking about uh but gosh the mission of god the mission of god is so important and really um, being sure that what we do, uh, the ministry uh, that we do in the world, is not about our own self-preservation or our own self-propagation, but truly about God's longing to restore healing and wholeness and shalom in the world. Well, thanks for listening, and I will see you again next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Mm